For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, We are talking to Dr. Walt Mueller, uh, president of Center for Parent Youth Understanding, uh, all this week. Uh, yesterday, if you listened, Walt talked about the best thing that he did in youth ministry, and I'd encourage you to go back and check that out if you didn't hear it. Um, today, Walt, we're going to the other end of the spectrum, um, asking about the worst thing uh, that you did in youth ministry. And, of course, you can share some funny stories. It's great to, to laugh at some of our um, blunders. But we're obviously asking this question to um, ask, what did you learn um, from that? Yeah. So, so Walt, what do, you, what do you have for us? Yeah, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I man, I so here's the thing. I know. I mean, I'm remembering some of these things, but some of them I've asked the Lord to help me forget. I think, um, <laughs> but there are there are some things that come to mind. You know, so so like, uh, well, a funny story uh, was I was yeah. Well, I was just a year into youth ministry. It was my first year doing full time youth ministry, and I was working at a church in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which is kind of a a blue collar you know, town and community, and the community had a, uh, I think it was a a Christmas parade. It was around Christmas. Yeah, they did a Christmas parade in the city every year, and, you know, the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the local community organizations and the churches would be invited to have a presence there, you know, have a float. So when I was in college, I had been on some teams that had built some floats. I I found that to be really fun, you know, and I thought, great. Great thing, because it's a great community builder. And I thought, well, let's have the kids build a float. Well, we decided to build this float in the basement of the church. And we got this trailer in there. And we the, the doors were big enough to actually get this thing, you know, push this thing in there. So we're building it down in the church fellowship hall, which is in the on the, on the ground level on the back side mm-hmm. of the church. And it, we got a little bit behind in our, in our, on our scheduling. And the parade was coming up. And my schedule was pretty full. In fact, this one, you know, Thursday night, I had to lead a Bible study up on the college campus nearby so I couldn't be down there. And a bunch of the kids who were working on the float, I had to tell them, we can't work on the float tonight. Well, we're not going to get it finished. What, you know, so, so four of them, they were all, they were all I, I think they were a couple of sophomores and a couple of high school seniors, including the pastor's daughter who was a high school senior. She had just gotten her driver's license. Um, she, they talked me into letting them go down there. There was nobody else at the church that night. It was against my better judgment. Mm. I knew this thing had to get done, and I just said, okay, you, you guys can do it, but just keep it quiet. Don't do anything, you know. <laughs> it just just work on the float, okay? And and I'll come down, and I'll lock up the church later tonight. And, you know, so I'm having my Bible study, and I get this phone call, and it's from one of the guys and he's a sophomore in high school, he calls up on a, all we had was landlines, and he calls up, interrupts the Bible study. The Bible study was in my apartment, and I excuse myself. I hear this kid go, Walt, you have to come down to the church right away. 
Bill <laughs> just drove the Burns's truck through the through the wall of the church. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and uh, and then I said, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, Christine's going to kill him." So <laughs> you know, so for so the two there was two girls who were seniors, and the two boys were sophomores. And one of the seniors was this daughter of the pastor. Well, mm. she had parked the pastor's big four-wheel drive, jacked-up stick shift, uh, you know, Ford truck, right up against the curb that facing you know the side of the building and the room that they were in. And they needed to go grab some tape or glue or something, and they were going to run to the hardware store. And and Bill, who was a sophomore at the time, had never driven a car before, of course, didn't have his driver's license, begged Christine to let him start the truck. And she, um, very foolishly, allowed him to get in and turn the key. Well, it was a stick shift, four-wheel drive. It was in first gear. He knew nothing about clutches. And when he hit the key, the thing started to lurch forward, jumped the curb. He, he just panicked, didn't pull back on the key, so the thing didn't stop. And this big beast of a truck just went right through the sidewall oh of the church goodness. into the fellowship hall. Wow! So I had to go down there, and um, yeah, it was it all worked out okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know that teaches you don't let the kids in the building unsupervised. Yeah. What was funny was when I got down there, uh, the one senior girl and the kid who called me were both quietly sitting there working on the float with the truck sticking out <laughs> of the wall. And I said, "Where's Bill and where's Christine?" And and he told me. They're they're upstairs. Bill's dodging Christine, and Christine's looking for him. And I went upstairs, and uh, it, here's Bill in the front of the dark church sanctuary, kneeling, kneeling <laughs> right in front. You know, like right right on the step leading up into the chancel. He's kneeling and just bent over, crying and praying and asking the Lord to heal the wall in the truck. <laughs> and we had to we had to deal with it. So I, I it love, all worked out okay. And I it's a fun the, story now. You know, I still talk to them about oh, it. Oh yeah. I love the two students still working on the float. That's awesome. Yeah, they had their priorities right. <laughs> they had nothing to do with it. They just made the call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was. It, it's probably a lot funnier in my mind when I think about it. But, you know, those are the kinds of things that go wrong. We Man, did we have a lot of those things over the years. You know, mm. just crazy stuff that happened. So that's a good one. I mean, that's hard to top. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you want some serious things now? That, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be helpful. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've talked to you about this before. I think when I was younger, I just thought too highly of myself. And, you know, I, I, I had a, I think I had a poor understanding of what my, what my gifts and abilities and my skills really were. I think I had a poor understanding of my knowledge. And, you know, a lot of it's that youthful idealism. And, you know, you know how to do things better than anybody else, especially older people. And so I really had to get that tamed. You know, God really had to enter into my life and tame that. I don't know that the people who were in my life at that point in time, you know, if you talk to them now, if they would tell you, I don't know, they might, you know, that Walt was arrogant. Um, I know I was. Mm-hmm. And that really bothers me as I think about it back in hindsight. But, you know, God has a way of, of humbling us and of, getting us to the point where we have a, a more realistic sense of who we are, which, of course, deepens our need for him. Absolutely. And I really think, you know, I pray this for my kids, John. I think we should pray this for our youth group kids as well. That, And I hope people pray it for me that if I ever get way too wrapped up in myself and I'm struggling with pride and I need to be humbled, that 
God would do whatever it takes to bring me hmm. to the end of myself hmm. so that I can jump into the beginning of him, I guess, is maybe a way of saying it. And hmm. so I think that I think that was an issue. And so one of the things I've taken away from that is, and I value this in people, is number one, humility. So if I'm around youth workers or well, let's just talk about youth workers. If I'm around, because of what I do, I travel a lot and I speak to youth workers a lot. And you can pretty quickly weed out those who are humble from those who have great amounts of pride and think too high, highly of themselves. And I probably recognize them more easily because that was me, you know. <laughs> so I can look in the rearview mirror and see that. And so, you know, I just, I just think we need to be humbled. So I mm. really value that. But the second thing is what I would call teachability. Mm. That I think with every passing day, you have to realize that you know a lot less than you thought you know the day before. And I remember the day I graduated from seminary, I was walking up the steps of the library before graduation with one of my classmates. And we were just thinking back on three years, which at the time seemed like an eternity, I know. <laughs> and we're walking up and I, I just said to him, I said, you know, I wish I knew as much today as I thought I knew three years ago when I was, mm. you know, first arriving at this place. Oh yeah. And and, and I think that's just the way that's just the way life is. I think you you have to Oh, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I think you have to learn from that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can remember finishing seminary and, and thinking <laughs> all seminary taught me was how much I did not know um, and just kind of, you know, knocked the legs out from underneath all that I thought I knew. And like you said, it had arrived in a lot of ways. And so, yes, yeah, seminary in a good way humbles you um, and, and shows yeah. you, you know, how, how little you know um, about an infinite God, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, you know, there's something else too I'd mention in this in answer to this question, um, and this is this is among many things, but this this is the one that came to mind when I read your question, and that is when, when I've gotten too busy to study, when I've gotten too busy to tend to my own spiritual growth and development, and it has gotten a lot easier as the years have gone by. I think for numerous reasons, you know, that I have a a pretty set routine now and it's a lot easier to have that when your kids you're not raising children in the in the home and so i mean i'm up early every morning and i it's typically at least a couple hours of just reading and and when i say reading i'm talking about not just not just god's word but i'll read some other books as well i do look at the news i, I read the newspaper and um i typically have multiple multiple inputs into my life spiritually, you know, in terms of devotional guides or books that I'm reading, and I try to have things that are substantive. And so, you know, to me, it's it's once you, you know, your habits form you. Jamie Smith has said that your habits form you. And, and there's a lot of research being done right now on that, that the more we engage in the spiritual disciplines, the more habitual they become. So it's kind of like running, you know, I know you're a runner, you, you get addicted to running, you know, once you do it a bit and mm -hmm. whatever it is. And, and I think it's the same thing. And so I see the value of that. And I have had some times in my life where I started to experience a bit of burnout, um, run out of gas. And it's not always because I'm not tending to my spiritual life, but typically there's a downturn 
in that in my life. When I look in the rearview mirror, I can find that and see that. Hmm. And as you get older, you go, aha, okay. So now you know how to set a pace and, and really tend to yourself. And, you know, you shortchange your kids. Hmm. You, you shortchange your students if you're not feeding yourself. Absolutely. You can have a great place and a wonderful environment to bring them into in your youth ministry where you do great things and have loads of fun. But if you're not, if you're not taking them deeper in the things of God's Word, um, you're not really doing youth ministry. And I think, you know, we can only take them as deep as we go ourselves. So hmm. that's really a big one. And, and that, unfortunately, you know, I would have to say to you, it wasn't the worst thing I did. It was one of many worst things because it didn't just happen once. You know, you have these these peaks and these valleys, and 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 hopefully in my life I've gotten to the point where um, I'm beyond that, or at least I can recognize when it's starting to happen, and I and I pull back. Hmm. That's such excellent advice, and I mean we just need to continue to remind ourselves of that. I mean, so often on this podcast, as we're talking to youth workers, I mean the the um, thought or, or theme of burnout continues to come up, and that is just an aspect of the Christian life, and obviously ministry. You know, we're often giving ourselves um, in the service of others, and we can quickly lose sight um, of just the importance of taking time. Uh, you know, in the morning, finding times of solitude, of silence, sitting there in God's Word um, in prayer. Uh, so that is an excellent reminder. Uh, anything else you want to add to that, Walt? No, I think, you know, just off the top of my head here, I, you know, I I, <laughs> I I think simple things maybe to say, like, you know, as I'm just thinking off the top of my head that, you know, to be directionless and not have something you're shooting at, that's a mistake. Hmm. Uh, I think you have to have a, well, a well-established philosophy of youth ministry that, that, you know, gives you borders and boundaries. You kind of put blinders on and work to pursue these certain things, and you don't get sidetracked with other things. Um, I'll give you a warning to young youth workers now, because I see this all the time, and that is that we, I think young youth workers are going to look 30, 40 years from now back and see that maybe, maybe they spent too much time curating themselves, mm. curating the youth room, curating the look, the smells, you know, all, everything that deals with the senses, you know, the style issues, rather than working on the substantive things. Mm. And the problem is that we live in such a style-obsessed culture right now with planned obsolescence, meaning that styles turn over sometimes weekly or maybe every day, I don't know, where you know, what we see labeled as so yesterday is literally so yesterday <laughs> that if you get wrapped up in that and that becomes, you know, your, that becomes your target in ministry to be relevant, um, that's all you're going to work on. Mm. And I really believe that's a great tool in the hands of the enemy mm. because it gets us off task. Wow. Yeah. Once again, awesome, awesome advice. Uh, that's excellent. And I hope that's just a good reminder to all of us. I mean, how quickly we can get so focused on uh, secondary issues, things that, that don't have lasting significance. So thanks again, Walt. Yeah, thank you. 